0: Hello everybody, welcome back to the Faultline Social podcast. This is episode 10 with Shannon Taylor of the band Awake, but still in bed. Uh, They have a brand new EP out called Stay Who You Are, which is excellent. You should go check it out. Yeah, in the episode, Shannon talks about the EP in great detail from recording it to writing it to future plans, uh, reflecting on the past and the band's debut record. Yeah, Life in Lockdown. And just when music became so important in her life and what records really made her feel music was a very prominent direction for her to take. And yeah, it was good fun for me. We had a good chat. Uh, Thank you very much once again for all the support. And yeah, there'll be more episodes coming soon. Until then, take care, stay safe and yeah, keep it real as always. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today. I really do appreciate it.
1: Yeah, of course. No problem. How are Uh, you doing?
0: yeah, I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, every day is kind of the same at the minute, but um, they yeah, keep hap- that. they keep happening. Yeah, they keep happening somehow. What about yourself?
1: I'm all right. I just spent a lot of time at my job recently. I work, I work uh, as a line cook at a restaurant, so I've been doing that like a lot since the restaurants are still open where I live.
0: Oh, do you? Yeah. I, I I do that as well. That's my job as well.
1: Oh, nice. Okay, cool.
0: How long have you uh, been doing that?
1: At the particular restaurant I work at, I've been doing it for about three and a half years, and then I've worked in a couple of restaurants before this. So, uh, and then like also before that, I worked at a deli and a grocery store. So, um, I've been working in food service for like most of my young adult life, probably like last ten years, I guess.
0: Yes, yeah, I am yeah. really. Do you um do you enjoy it? Because I've I've always found it, it's quite a good job in terms of like networking and getting new jobs when you like new people who are connected and everything, but like some, Mm -hmm. some people really struggle to get out of it and some people really like it. Like what's, what's your thoughts? I
1: have mixed feelings on it, but mostly just to make it quick, I I guess I like, I feel like it's comfortable because I know what I'm doing. And, uh, I also like that at least with my current job, historically I've been able to take time off for touring, which is really nice, uh, to be able to do, uh, because obviously that's like something that I do, um but um it it does get like sometimes it does get there's like down- obvious downsides, I think anyone who works in it knows like sometimes like you're sort of perpetually understaffed uh, a lot of times like you're expected to do a lot of work for like the wage you get um a lot you, but you know it's yeah, I don't know it's it's all right, I make more than minimum wage, so that's pretty cool,
0: yeah, that's that's yeah, the main thing, as long as the money's there to survive, I guess yeah, um. So the recent EP, Stay Who You Are, that came out on Christmas Day last year, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah. Uh, why did you pick the 25th of December? Because, like, yeah, something happens on that day. Like, why did you pick Christmas Day to drop these three tracks?
1: Um, honestly, it was just sort of a spur of the moment uh, thing. So, like, what basically happened was I um, there's somebody uh, – there's this label called Chill Wave Records, and um, – I think they're split across the country that like their three main people are like, um, split in like three different States in the United States. But one of them lives in San Jose, which is where I live. And, um, that person's in, um, my, the, the discord server for Wakewood still in bed fans or whatever. Okay. So anyway, um, that person like asked me if I wanted to contribute to, they have like a it's called. Like, it was called like the Twelve Days of Chillness Comp or whatever. Basically, they wanted to see if I would like do a song for their Christmas comp, and then I had the idea of writing a song, not a Christmas song, but a song about like the like that inspired by like holiday feelings, just to challenge myself to like
0: okay, yeah, write
1: a song in that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, they asked me, and I was like, yeah, that that'd actually be kind of fun. And then like I did it. Um, and then as I was doing it, I was like, well, I've got these two other songs that are on the back burner that don't fit on any of the other releases that we're doing. Basically, like in, in quarantine, I like ended up pumping out a lot of songs. And um LP2, like our follow-up for the first album, has been like written for like a while. And yeah, the, I I like I actually wrote more songs that ended up bit getting put on it during quarantine, uh, when I was first. And quarantine because I spent the first three months of the whole quarantine thing at my parents' place unemployed. So I was like writing a lot of music. Um, and uh, anyway, so um, I kept writing these songs and eventually like, I was like, I can't put any more songs on an LV2. Like there's no way to, to do that. It, yeah. It's already so long. And if I can't <laughs> yeah, like,
0: reach, reach the limit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so then I had like, I was, I had this other, we've got like a, a split we're trying to do with another band. Um, so, I got two songs on that too. And then I had two more songs. I'm like, okay, well, these songs, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with these songs. Like, I was thinking I'd maybe put them on like LP3 or something like that. Like, I was like, I don't know. And then when I got this like Christmas thing, I was like, well, I've also been thinking about putting out like a little quarantine EP just because like we haven't put anything out in forever. Mm-hmm. And we're currently trying to figure out how we're going to record LP2 and who's going to put it out and th- everything like that. So, LP two is not coming out for like a while. Like it's, it's like coming out for sure, but I don't know when. So like, and I know it's not going to be until like at least the end of 2021, if not later. So I'm like, okay, this is going to be a while. And like, we're coming up on three years since the first LP came out. So I should put something out. Like I just, just do, I'm like, I'm really scared to put things out. I feel like a lot of pressure to like make everything perfect or whatever. So, um, I I'm trying to challenge that a little bit. And so I was like, okay, well, I I need I need to just put something out. And so I had these two songs and then I wrote that that holiday related song and I was like, okay, maybe I should just put these things out before the end of the year. And then I just like was thinking about what day to put things out on. And I was like, How about Christmas Day? <laughs> like uh, Yeah. So it was arbitrary, basically.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Cause um you talk about LP too. I think it's um it's a really difficult time uh, for bands to put music out, and like the whole logistics of recording, and then you you put it out, and then like okay, we can't play a gig. It's it's uh, like a really tough time because there's always the risk of stuff becoming like a dead release in the water as well. Has has that been like the biggest problem surrounding the second record?
1: That's one of the problems that I I'm definitely like wary of. It I'm definitely like well it's okay. So it's like, on one on one hand, I'm like scared that I'm gonna put it out and like no one's gonna care. Uh, because they can't do anything. But on the other hand, I don't think I want to put out a record if I can't tour on it. Of course, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like That's I cool. don't, I don't think I would even be a musician if like playing shows wasn't a part of the equation. Like I like, I like writing music. Like, don't get me wrong, but I don't think I would do it nearly as much as I do if like I didn't get to play yeah. shows afterwards. So that the fact that I can't tour on it when we put it out definitely means I'm not in a rush at all. Um, but it's more than that. Like, uh, as you said, the logistics, like, first of all, like we, we're sort of in between labels right now. Um, Our old label is defunct. I don't know if you know anything about the whole tiny engine situation. Um, Uh,
0: Like I've heard like some loose end stuff, but nothing uh, like concrete. Do do you know what I mean? Not like primary information No.
1: Yeah. And I I don't I really want to get into it. Basically, they're just sort of defunct at the moment. I don't, yeah. I, I, I'm going to withhold from like saying much else about it, like whether or not they yes. could ever come back or whatever, or, or whether or not they should ever come back. I'm just going to not ever talk about that. But as far yeah. as like their current state, they are not active and they're not doing anything to support their artists. So, mm. um, you know, uh, and I mean, like, how could they even, you know, with like the state of things right now. So we're not really able to work with them right now. And I definitely don't want to work with them on, on LP two. So uh, yeah. we couldn't work with them on LP even if I wanted to. So, um, so we're sort of like in the process of like, because we don't have that um, label, we're sort of in the process of trying to find another label to work with because recording is really expensive. And
0: yeah, for sure.
1: And I was definitely like banking on the label uh, that we were working with to help us like offset costs of recording. So The fact I don't have any like money saved up for it basically, (laughs) and um, the added the add the added problem of like quarantine and everything, and like limitations on travel means like, and and the fact that our band is really spread out at the moment. Like, yeah, our guitar player lives in Los Angeles area, our bassist lives in Michigan, our drummer is question mark uh because we're in between drummers at the moment and uh, uh, our okay. our keyboard player lives in berkeley which is like close to me but um yeah still kind of far yeah yeah so. it's
0: like close on the on paper but not re- not like practically yeah
1: i mean if everybody lived as close as that we could figure it out but because he because he's the closest one yeah like that's still pretty far um
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> but it's really not that far i mean i, I go to berkeley a lot but it, anyway the point is um, and even if we could all meet together to practice, I mean, like basically like what we would probably have to do to like actually rehearse for LPT right now is it have to like get everyone to take like time off of work, uh-huh. fly them all out to the same place, like rent a, like re- like a, a rehearsal space or something like that. And then like have us just practice every single day for like, I don't know, a week straight uh, to get ready for the LP. Like, because there's no other practical way for us to do it because we're all so far away. And um, like with the with the limitations on travel and the whole like COVID thing, like it would just be really impractical to do it any other way that I can think of at the moment. Um, and I'm just currently like not able to do that. Like I can't take a week off of work. I can't. Yeah. I don't, the songs aren't far enough for, for me to like. Yeah. So it's just like um, it's like this really complicated thing. So yeah that's like why it's taking so long um it's like a bunch of factors that are made worse by the pandemic i feel like if the pandemic had not hit lbt would probably already be recorded
0: yeah i think the pandemic just amplifies all these issues really definitely couldn't agree more absolutely yeah it's um this ep to me the most recent one and, and obviously like your first record sounds very like midwestern emo in terms of the sound and even the artwork um is that where the main musical inspiration comes from?
1: I would say, like, that is definitely, like, I would, yeah, basically, I listen to a lot of, um know, yeah, so that's, like, a huge influence. Especially with the EP, I feel like you can hear other stuff. Um, yeah. Like, there's, a, there's definitely, like, a lot of, like, various, like, indie rock vibes on, like, for example, Beauty. Yeah. The song Beauty, I feel like um there's some, like, very clear, like, indie rock influence on it and also some post-punk. Like there's a part that I refer to as the Interpol part um, of okay, yeah. <laughs> that song. Yeah. When I was cool. like, when I was like recording it with like my friend, I was like, who played drums. I was like, okay, during the Interpol part, you've got to like hit harder. Or <laughs> harder. Yeah, <laughs> So, uh, you know, um, <laughs> definitely um, I think like other aspects of like, I I mean, I listen to like a lot of music, not just email, but I would say that email is probably the genre I listen to the most. And it's uh, the one that I feel like probably, I feel the most inspired, like by as far as my own writing. Yeah,
0: all three songs sound like quite different to me. Was it like a goal? Not like dramatically different, but every song has quite a unique identity. Was it a goal to like really push yourself to achieve like quite a busy EP in terms of textures and really hit as much as you could in three tracks at all angles?
1: A little bit. Um, I I sort of don't approach uh, I don't approach music in that way. Um, generally but i what i will say is i was given the uh opportunity to experiment a little bit more with the production than i usually am because okay. the general way that i write and and see the band is that we perform as a band like for example like lp1 everything that we did was stuff that we could do live everything that we did was recorded live like everything was written to be played as a band uh of like four to five people depending on if we have a keyboard player that night and um yeah the whole album of lb1 was like just tracked song after song after song just completely live there was no like dubbing or anything and except for the we dubbed the keyboard parts but everything else was straight and then we did the vocals after so it was a pretty fast thing to record and it was very like just straight ahead rock music um yeah
0: yeah yeah definitely
1: and yeah and so the ep because of the fact that we could not even meet, like we could, like, first of all, like we couldn't meet and, you know, because of travel limit like restrictions and everything. And then, um, and just how far away we all live from each other. Uh, so that was a thing. And then, um, second of all, like we're in between drummers at the moment. Um, we just couldn't, we couldn't approach the recording process the same way. So the combination of all these factors gave me like the opportunity to, um, explore different like options for production than I usually would. So like, for example, like the the inclusion of electronic drums is something that would have been inconceivable to me about two years ago, Mm -hmm. but it was something that was on the table and I just thought it'd be cool to explore it. So I did. (laughs) Other things like um, synth, for example, like um, there's synth on, leave for example but that doesn't kick in until the very end of the song and like if it was like like literally the last like 20 seconds of the song and if it was like the previous ways i approached the band would never have allowed for me to do that kind of thing because um it would have been very boring for our keyboard player to sit around for two minutes or three (laughs) or three minutes and then hit two notes on the keyboard you know i mean things like that like I was just allowed to just do what I thought the song needed and not really think about another person performing it.
0: Yeah. I was going to say a lot of people do like push boundaries with, with genres now. Like you said, you'd have never included electronic drums in the past, but um, doing it like really benefited the music. Do you think like you being forced to kind of take those production steps is how you would, proceed in the future as well like with a uh, production and adding textures and different voices and instruments and in. do you think you're more open-minded than you were before
1: um i definitely think now that i've done it i think i'll probably be more interested in doing it in the future although i don't think i'll do electronic drums um at least not on this um at least not on like this lp2 probably um just because or, or maybe, I don't know. There's some songs that call for it and there's other songs that don't. Um, yeah. But it's, 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 yeah. I mean, I, so, so like when I think about songs, um, the way that I approach it is very unintellectual. Like I, I spend very, very little time thinking about it and almost everything is like intuitive or instinctual. When I write songs, I spend almost no time like intellectually analyzing them and just, I just sort of feel out what I think the song like once from me. And to put that in like a weird way, it, it, it almost does feel like interacting with like a living being. I mean, I know that it isn't, but, uh, and I, I hope it doesn't sound like crazy pretentious or something. It's just like the way that I, it's like the way they experience it. It doesn't feel like I'm like designing something. It almost feels like I'm like, okay, well, this is what I have to do. Cause this is what the song needs. You know what I mean? And it's like weird. Um, and I, and I spend almost no time, like, like thinking about it rationally. And it's sort of just like what feels like it has to happen. So like, I don't know. Um, or like what's possible to happen. So like, for example, with Mirror, like I was really torn with Mirror on whether or not I wanted it to just be fully very bare, stripped down, naked, me on guitar and vocals and nothing else because that was the original demo of that song was just just guitar and vocal. But as you can tell, the final version was a lot more fleshed out with a lot more instruments. And that was just because um, I was like, I mean I, I really liked the very naked sound of like the only two instru- like only vocals and guitar and the way that it portrayed the song. but I thought you know for like oh this well, it's possible to do more and then like when I like <laughs> when I listened to it, I could just imagine so I've, I spent a lot of for example, I spent a lot of time in this last year listening to um lo-fi hip hop. It was something that I've listened to a lot recently. And when I was like listening to that song, at one point I just, like, was imagining what, where the song could go. And I just heard like a beat like that, that cause like all the beats and like the loaf of hip hop songs for the most part, sound really similar. And I just, I just imagined that beat and like the vinyl sound happening during a part of the song. And I was like, this could work. Like this could, this, th- this might make the song better. And then we just kind of just did it. Like I don't know. I, I did. I I didn't have any like higher aspirations other than just like this might make the song. This might be what what the song needs to be complete. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Do you think you've
0: learned to like trust your impulses a bit more? Then sounds like
1: a, a little bit. Yeah, I would. I think so. Definitely. Like um, I don't know if you know like know anything about me, but like as far as like this band was definitely an experience. Uh, and, uh, an experiment in trying to trust myself because it's the first band where I ever wrote all of the music, and like it's the first band where I'm like the front person because my I was in some bands before this, and they were very collaborative, and okay, uh, like this is the fr- and yeah, this is the first band where everything I'm doing is like completely me, and it I'm, I at first it was really scary, like I didn't know, like I was like, is this all bad music? Like I don't know. I'm just trying to trust myself, and I mean the relative success of the first album was definitely something that helped me like feel a little more confident in what I was doing.
0: Yeah, well, a lot of people do back in. A lot of people do um, really support the band. It's um, Does that make you, yeah, gain more confidence? And what? why do you think, what is it that you did differently compared to the past that you think allowed this band to see some success and gain a fan base like, worldwide, really?
1: I, I definitely am more confident, but I'm also like i still struggle with it like i'm i'm very much a not confident person in a lot of ways and i like this sounds like a joke but i do have low (laughs) self-esteem it sounds like a joke because of the album title but it's true um and so a lot of times uh, so a lot of times when i'm writing um (laughs) the album title has nothing to do with my own low self-esteem or whatever though it's like more of a I think, I don't want to talk about that, but I'm just, but I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's, it's unrelated, but <laughs> yeah. um, the the um yeah, like the writing process is really scary for me. Uh, a lot of times when I'm writing, I am sort of like unsure. I'm like, is this right? And that's why I think a lot of it isn't intellectual because if I did intellectualize my writing, I think the amount of like anxiety and preoccupation I would have with like how it would be perceived or like et cetera. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think I would go crazy, um, thinking about all the people listening to it and like what they would think about it. It is like, it is nerve wracking if I think too much about it. So, uh, I think like, uh, I just try not to think about it at all, or maybe that's like the only way I can do it now. I think it was easier to be more like. To be more thoughtful um, or like to think about it in a more rational or intellectualized way when I was in a band with other people, uh, because then like I'm working with like a, 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 a team or whatever. So I feel more confident in
0: like
1: being reinforced by, with other people. Um, but I do feel, I will say, I do feel more confident nowadays in my songwriting than I did when I was writing LP1, for example, but not that much more. I definitely don't have like, I don't know what people think. I don't have like a big head about it at all. I don't like sometimes people like compliment me or whatever, uh, at shows and they're like, wow, you're like really good or whatever. And I, to me, like, it's very sweet, but it kind of bounces off me. Cause I'm like, I it's, I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm not very good at taking compliments. Uh, <laughs> but as far as like, what do I think I did differently? Um, the only thing I can say that I think I did differently is I think I learned a lot being in other bands. Cause I've been in, I've been playing in bands since I was in high school and, um, you know, and this band is like, my first like solo project or whatever, but it came off the, like, you know, it, like it came off of the work of being in a, like several other bands that made several other pieces of music, you know, um, every album that I did with all those other bands were all things that I learned from. And I think that's part of the, like, I think like just having that experience is part of the reason that like, I was able to like make some of the correct moves with the first album. Like, for example, like, I don't think I did like amazing or whatever, but I think like, for example, working with like a good studio on like the first recording we did was like a good idea. Something that I learned was that like one thing that's going to make people want to listen to you and take you more seriously is like, if your recording sounds good. Um, And so I think like I spent a lot of money on that first album um, out of my own pockets because we didn't have any label backing or anything just because I knew like our first album, like the first impression is like really important. And, um, there was like a little bit of like discussion in the, when we were like first, like recording the album, like with my bandmates, cause like they didn't, since it's my solo project, I didn't expect any of them to like pay for it at all. Um, but they were like, you know, saying like, yeah, I mean, you're like working yourself to death at your job, trying to save up money for this. Like, why don't you just record it? Like self-record it. It'll be fine. Like, you know, and I was like thinking about it, but I was like, this album is like, you know, I'm going to have it and it's gonna it's gonna exist forever like this is gonna be the version of the songs like so i want to take it seriously and i want to i want to present it in the best way that i possibly can with the resources i have right now so that's why i went with the studio i went with and etc because at the time that was like the best thing i could have possibly imagined for it you know so um yeah. yeah uh and i think i think making a solid first impression is really important and i think a lot of bands think like okay well we'll just we'll just we'll cut costs by recording like at our friend's house or whatever you know and i think that might work for some people but i didn't want to do that route
0: yeah like i've done that before and i'm with you it really does show when you have like a cheap recording compared to one where you've thrown some cash in definitely there's such a difference and i think um yeah just like the long lasting standpoint as well it sounds much better for a longer period of time and you, and it sounds professional as well you know when people first hear it cuz they're going to they maybe wouldn't view it as like a brand new like raw project you're immediately sounding in you know in terms of production as good as like i don't know like a Jimmy world record for example you know
1: <laughs> i definitely don't think that we're on par with them but it, we're at least closer than if we just like recorded our stuff on like you know i don't know just like whatever mics we could get in like a house setting or something because i've done that before like i did that with a lot of bands I was in, like we just recorded like in someone's garage or, um, and stuff. And it's like a lot of those recordings end up sounding terrible or like, and i and I like those recordings, you know, cause they like remind me of being in like a little band, like a little DIY band or whatever. And like, and, and that's like, I mean, that's awake, but still in bed is still a, a little DIY band in my eyes, but, um, it's just like a lot, a lot, a lot of the bands that I've, that I've been in started out record, like getting like little home recordings done. And then eventually as we gained, like we became more established and took ourselves more seriously. We moved up to working in bigger studios. Like one of the bands I was in a long time ago recorded at the same studio as the The Awake of Sylvain LP, which is why I went back there. I wanted to approach this, this collection of songs I wrote. Um, and I took them, I wanted to just take them really seriously, um, and present them in a way where I'm like, okay, I already take myself seriously. Like I'm already presenting this as like, as professional as I can, uh, I, because I, because it's my solo thing and I, I anticipate I'm going to be making music for a long time. So if someone looks back, back on my discography, I want the very first thing that they see to be like, a suit. I, I want to, I just want to come off with a certain level of professionalism or whatever. And I want the first album to like withstand the, like, you know, a little bit of aging, you know, cause if it, if it sounds bad, it won't <laughs> probably, I don't know. And this is, this is just stuff that I picked up after being in bands for a long time. So that's, yeah, that's, that's one way. I think that like this band is different than other bands I was in. Um, yeah. Just because of experience, experience guiding my actions
0: yeah it's very true you know you do learn from the past all the time couldn't agree more it's um I spoke about Jimmy World then like for like a second um what records um made a huge impact on you and made music like consume you really and become such like an important part of your life and you as an individual?
1: You did mention Jimmy at World and I love their album Clarity a lot. Um Clarity did have a very profound effect on me when I heard it, but I heard it as a, a young adult rather than as like a teen. Yeah, so same, I think I same like, story. I think same I story Clarity. for me. Yeah. 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 I think I was like 19 when I first heard clarity, but I fucking are or, or like 20, but I did really like it. Um, and I still love it. It's a great album and yep. it definitely is, uh, influential on me. Um, okay. But as far as like, what was, um, I have like a weird thing because I had like a weird of a, a, a sort of pseudo musical awakening when I was like late teens, early twenties. So, um, for most of my life. Okay. So I started out as like a, I started out as like an alt rock kid. Like that's what I liked. I just, I liked the radio alt rock music that they played on the radio. That was like what I liked. Yeah. Um, and I got into like radio uh, pop punk stuff. Like I was into like blink One Eighty Two and like some 41 and like the used and green day, like, you know, things like that. Um, that's like what I liked when I was like, I don't know, really young, I, I, up until I was like 11 or 12. And then, um, I started, I became like a big nerd or whatever when I was like a teenager and I was on the internet a lot and I got involved, I got, I got interested in like a lot of sort of weird, more experimental, like weirder bands. So I, some of the bands that were really big for me, um, at that time were like, and also when I say that, like, I mean, just like weirder for a kid that doesn't know anything i there's obviously weirder bands than these so anyone who's listening to this and like thinks like i'm <laughs> being pretentious or whatever uh i understand that like there's much more weird bands but for me at the time they were weirder um than normal so like i got into like they might be giants when i was like a kid and that was like a band that i fell in love with um i got into this like hip hop collective group called um subtle and they're like from this label uh, from Oakland called Anticon. And I, I still really love them, but I never listened to them anymore, but they were like profoundly important to me when I was in high school. I got, uh, I really liked, um, I got into like the Mars Volta at an early age and I really loved, they were like my favorite band for a while. Um, and that's how, that's actually kind of how I got into like emo sort of, because I found at the drive-in through the Mars Volta, I had like a, I had like a prog rock phase and like an experimental rock phase and like, like a noise rock phase and like a post rock phase through high school. Um, I got into grunge also in high school. So like a lot of the albums that were really important to me at that time would have been like a new white by subtle, um, Lincoln and and flood by the might giants. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, like the first three uh, Mars Volta records, Dillason, Comatophilia, and Francis the Muse, and MP Texture. Uh, one of my favorite bands. Which I'm really embarrassed to admit, but I'm going to say it anyway. Was I really liked Muse?
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> Muse. Was, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're they're not like, huge here in England, obviously. They're, they're not a band I've ever really like. Clicks with, but some of my mates was like huge fans. They play like football stadiums here. To yeah
1: i know they do it they were my first concert actually oh really <laughs> so, cool yeah yeah I mean, they played a huge theater when oh. i was like i think i must have been like 15 years old and i went um i used to love Muse. um my yeah. favorite album was origin of symmetry but yeah i i definitely understand now that they're just diet radiohead um
0: and that radiohead yeah of course they higher. are yes yeah, yeah it is just budget yeah, yeah. radiohead for sure yeah <laughs> definitely yeah
1: and and. I actually I, I really love Radiohead now. I've I've graduated from the Muse camp. I I'm <laughs> hoping that no Muse fans are mad at me for this, but
0: uh <laughs> I'm I'm sure they um, won't be. I'm sure they'd probably give a similar I, I, answer to you actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's um
1: it's yeah. Yeah, I it's funny because like um I, I was aware that people regarded Muse as a Radiohead copy, but at the time I was like I, already a huge Muse fan and had never listened to Radiohead. So I was in denial and I refused to listen to Radiohead. Yeah. And then eventually Muse put out an album that I really didn't like. It was called... Um, oh my God, I don't remember what it's called. It was I think it's called The Resistance or something. It came out after uh, Black Holes and Revelations.
0: Yeah, that is a shit album. Yes, I do know that record. That one is... Yeah.
1: it's it's bad i i it's horrible and i i was a huge they were my favorite band when they put that that, that album and i fucking hated it and like it made me lose a lot of respect for them and then like they obviously only got worse from there and then i i kind of like that tampered with my opinion of them so much that i started looking back at their old stuff and like feeling like maybe this isn't that good it at all. I used to still like kind of defend their old stuff but just say their new stuff was bad. But then after I I think I became like disillusioned with them. I got into it. I I did eventually give Radiohead a chance and I listened to all of the Radiohead albums and I was like, "Wait, this is so much better. Like this is real. This is mm-hmm. really good." And like obviously it was the footprint for like or or the blueprint for um everything that Muse did and they just they just Radiohead just did it better and Muse did it and mixed it with like, tried to mix it with like Rage Against the Machine riffs. And like, <laughs> it was just, now it's, to me, it's like now listening to Muse is like the most cringy and embarrassing thing ever because I know that I used to love it. And so like listening to it now, I'm like, oh my God, I used to like this. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> Um So, But I will say origin of symmetry was really important to me when I was in high school.
0: Yeah. It's, it's cool to hear somebody say there was this record that like changed their life and now they hate it. It's actually nice to hear that, to be honest.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's true though. I can't even listen. If you, if you put on origin of symmetry around me now, I would leave the room. Just
0: run, just run away. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Just run with my hands in my ears. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. Uh, um after that i don't know i got into like prog rock i got into like um i i got into like close to the edge by yes uh in the court of the crimson king by king crimson and a bunch of their other albums too this yeah
0: this is sick i was not expecting this yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah. i I don't i don't think that my like progressive rock roots um show through my music anymore because they've been outshined by like by emo um but then okay so then after that i also got into like grunge really hard so i was like i was listening to like Nevermind by Nirvana. I was listening to like um, Dirt by Allison Chains and like uh, uh, the Soundgarden uh, albums that I can't remember anymore, but they're really good too. Um, Always I liked them in high school. I don't remember. I don't listen to them anymore, but uh, that was a huge influence on me too. I like really liked grunge, and then I also like weirdly was into some like modern like post-hardcore stuff. So I liked At the Drive In. And I liked Cody and Cambria's first two albums and I liked The Fall of Troy. I remember like those things being like Fall the closest I could yeah. relate to. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so those, Doppel- are the first, those are the closest I could relate to with, oh yeah, Doppelganger is great, yeah.
0: Yeah, sick record. The production's so bad on that though, when you listen back. It's such a badly made album, I think, but like the songs are really good.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Although I think the production on Doppelganger is probably better than the one on Manipulator. I like Manipulator sounds terrible to me, but I still like it.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, yeah, I, I heard like yeah, Doppelganger you, first. Yes. Uh, yeah. Briefly, I spent a lot of time with yeah. Doppelganger, but never checked out like their extended discography. But um, yeah, I remember listening to Doppelganger. I was like, yeah, Manipulator. If
1: you think Doppelganger is bad,
0: oh really? Okay. Yeah, I'll have to. If you think Doppelganger is bad,
1: listen to Manipulator. <laughs>
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm gonna put it on after it, the this. The songs are pretty good, but we'll, yeah, I think we'll, I'm we'll, gonna put it on after this just just to hear some okay uh, bad mixing. <laughs> to be honest, just for that reason.
1: The songs are good until they just devolve into, like, boring, stupid riffs. But when it's songs, it's pretty good. That's, yeah. that's like, the problem I have with, like, The Fall of Troy is, like, I think that, like, the riffs are, like, cool when they happen, like, and they're not, like, overly done. But, like, a, like, a huge problem that they get into later in their career is that they'll have, like, minimal song and then they'll just, like, do, like, extended riff for, like, forever. And, like, I... Some people are probably like that. I don't care about it. I don't care how good you are at guitar. It doesn't do anything for me, like personally. If you can make it sound cool, that's way more impressive to me than if you can just show off like your amazing guitar prowess. That's like not interesting to me at all anymore. But at one point in my life, it probably was, but not anymore. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's that's anyway that's my hot take about the fall of Troy. Sorry, uh, that was, <laughs> that's cool. It's that was cool. the closest cool. I got to like relating to like the emo and seeing kids in high school. Yeah like when I was in high school, like I, I've always had like, um, I've always like, I've always w- wore my hair to the side, like side, side sweat bangs and stuff, because, um, it just like looks the best on my face. Uh, so I just, like, since I like discovered how I look, combing my hair to the side, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this forever now. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I've literally had side sweat bangs since I was in high school. And so everyone thinks I'm like, everyone thought I was like emo in high school, like. Um, and I, at that point I didn't listen to emo at all. There was no, like, um, yeah, yeah. the closest you could say I listened to emo was listening at, at the drive-in and listening to like the first Covey and Cambry album. I didn't listen to like real emo or fake emo at the time. Actually I did like, Oh, yeah. like some like modest mouse. But Yeah. I, I didn't think that modest mouse was emo at the time. So yeah, like the closest I could get to like relating to like the scene kids and like the emo kids when I was like in high school. And when I say emo kids, I'm saying like, Big quotation marks, emo kids.
0: Yeah, like my chem. Fans yeah. for like ten minutes. Yeah, I know what you
1: mean. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah. The closest I could get to relating to them was like talking about code in Cambria or like talking about like the fall of Troy. But yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't get into emo until after high school. Um, so after, so after. After I graduated high school, I I don't remember exactly how one of my like high school music nerd friends like just recommended Cap and Jazz to me. Yeah. It's such
0: an interesting place to start, uh, Cap and Jazz. Well, that's such like a, yeah. a unique building block for it all. To be honest, I've never heard yeah. anyone say Cap and Jazz was like their their like entry level emo record.
1: Yeah, well, so. It's really weird because I listened to it and I just hated it. I was like, "This is
0: really bad." Yeah, I don't blame you for thinking that. You would think, "What the fuck <laughs> is this?" If this was your first like, yeah, uh, take on it, yeah.
1: So the weird thing about it was like I was aware that like they had like this big impact, by reading about the album, but I like, but so I had this sort of respect for the album because I knew that it had like a big cultural relevance for yeah. like the people who had listened to it. But I listened to it and I was like, "This is bad." I, I don't, I don't really like it but I don't, something about it kept me coming back to it. I don't know why I kept like listening to it, even though I didn't like it. And then by the time, like by the fifth or sixth time I listened to it, I like liked it and now I love it. So it's really weird.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. cap and jazz. Wow. Yeah. Cause obviously a lot of people would go from like American football to cap and jazz. It was, a. Uh... What, where did you go after that then? Because I think Cap'n Jazz sounds like very different to a lot of stuff that was happening at the time. Like where was where was the route after that to get into like you know late nineties emo stuff?
1: Yeah, so I actually went. I, I went straight from Cap'n Jazz to American football. Um, oh,
0: you, yeah, you did it. You did it on the flip Did it on the flip around? Yeah, okay. I did. I
1: did, I did the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I got into Cap'n Jazz uh, and I didn't like it, and then I liked it, and then I and then it, I was listening. I think I was listening to the album on YouTube or something, and then I got like a recommended like um, I saw like American football LP or whatever. I think what had happened was um, Captain Jazz had just recently u- reunited. And like uh, I saw a YouTube comment that said, now we need an American football reunion. And I was like, okay, I saw this comment. I don't know who that is, but <laughs> okay, someone wants American football to reunite. And then I saw next to that, um, there was um, like a video, American football, self-titled album, full album, whatever. So I clicked it. And yeah. I listened to, to the American Football album, and I was blown away by the American Football album the first time I heard it. I was just absolutely completely yeah. blown away. I loved it from the first time I ever heard it. Yeah,
0: yeah, I would, um, yeah, I would really like to uh, like reset my mind to um, hearing that again. I remember hearing that like drum pattern straight away. I was so impressed. I thought it was so good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like, I think like being, being someone who at one point had been a fan of like progressive rock and like Matthew stuff, uh, and then like being exposed to that kind of music, but completely melodic and like gorgeous and stuff like that. Like I had never heard anything like it. Like I had never heard a band do like these extremely pretty and it just sounds pretty. It doesn't sound like aggressive at all. And, um, I, I don't know. I just thought it was like amazing. I'd never heard anything like it at the time. Um, And at the time I thought I'd heard like a lot of different types of music and I'd never ever heard anything like that before. So I was absolutely just like captivated by it. There was another side to this that is really interesting in my opinion uh, because it was something I was wrong about, but it still had this weird emotional effect on me. So like um, I didn't understand who American football was. When I okay, so I got into American football and I thought it was really good, and then I did some research and found out that they had shared members with Captain Jazz, but I like misread it or something. And I thought that the singer for American football and the singer for Captain Jazz were the same. And so, what in my mind had transpired was I thought that like this because you know, like Tim's voice in Captain Jazz was like crazy and raw and like, like, yeah. very like almost like you know immature it is
0: immature yeah
1: yeah and i thought that american football was his next band after that and that they had just like basically moved towards this like um like very like uh refined um and complex music where his voice was like way more subdued i thought it was the same vocalist and so i was like i to me i i was like growing up at the time i was like 19 and I saw it as this like maturation and like growing up thing. And I was like, so it was like so emotional for me to like see it. And I was wrong. It was a different vocalist. That's why their voices sound different. Obviously anyone who's listening to this understands probably that Mike Kinsella is the vocalist for uh, American football and was the drummer for Captain jazz. And they're not the same person. They're just brothers. But yeah. I didn't notice that at first. And I incorrectly thought it was the same singer. And so it had this like, False powerful impact on me. Like it was like this very powerful impact on me. That was based on a misunderstanding um, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I, I feel like it's it Yeah, I think it's that kind of thing was only possible at the time because back I, I think that was 2010 or 2011 that this was happening and back at the time um, there was way less information about these artists on the internet than there is now. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Obviously, obviously nowadays like American football is an active band and you can find like documentaries about them on youtube and you can read all about them on the internet american football at least has like a huge fan base now and, and there's all this information about all these and 2010 like 10 or 11 or whatever this like i was like getting into this stuff i remember like it felt
0: like a secret kind of was though because like right. i remember going on youtube and just seeing that like thumbnail of the house and it had like half a million players and it was somehow this like crazy cult record but i don't think that even they hadn't been a ban for like a decade at that point. Do you know what
1: I mean? it felt like very word of mouth, it didn't feel it didn't feel like um it didn't feel like it was like publicly known. It it didn't feel like it was in out in the open. It felt like a lot of people knew about it, but they were all secret. And I think I mean that's probably uh true. I mean um you know like uh you know at that time uh that was kind of the like peak. Of um the underground like emo revival thing like 2011, that was when like Al Jon was playing like these huge house shows pa- like packed house shows or whatever. Whereas like when they first started in like 2006 or whatever, like they were playing to nobody for like a long time. But like when I I saw Al Jon Cadwalder's like last show in Philly, um in 2012 because I lived there, and um I remember it was like this like really nuts show. I think it was with. Tiger's jaw and Joyce Manor, Yeah. And I just, I just remember that it was like sold out at this 500 cap venue called the first Unitarian church. And it felt like a really big deal. Um, but you know, like they didn't start out like that at all. So what I'm saying is 2011, like this emo shit was all happening, but it felt like it was happening like behind the scenes somehow. Like there weren't major publications writing about it, at least not in my memory. Um, and like, I don't know. It was like really cool. It's not like that anymore, but it's okay because it makes it easier now to reach more people. But
0: yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I can imagine, especially around that, um, the, like the northeast of America. Um, you know, to me, that's like and like the Midwest, Northeast. Like, especially where that, when the, in the when the revival was going on, that was like the cornerstone of it all. Where like we don't even really see it on the internet over here and speak about yeah. it. But I, I guess to be involved when it was like an active scene. Must have been pretty, yeah, pretty memorable times, definitely.
1: Yeah, I spent uh, most of 2012 living in Philadelphia, and I was just going to shows every single day. And um, uh, it was really, uh, it was a life-changing experience for me.
0: Yeah, so you like went to high school in Pennsylvania, am I correct? And Texas, Texas yeah. first,
1: and then finished it in Pennsylvania.
0: Yeah, like when did you become like yeah. attached to a scene that was going on? Was it in Texas and Pennsylvania, or one or the other? were you attending like many shows? No, it was all
1: all in Ca-
0: all, in, all, all of in, that California. in California. Yeah. Okay. Cool.
1: Yeah. It all happened after high school. There were there weren't really strong music scenes where uh, where I went to high school in Texas or in Pennsylvania. Uh, the music scenes were lacking i would say there were bands and i had friends in bands and i've tried to start bands but it was really hard and there weren't like the music scenes were just really weird and it wasn't like california was the first place where i got connected to a diy scene yeah so i would say california Mm
0: -hmm. yeah is that where you kind of gave playing a go like when did you learn to like sing and play guitar and like when did you gain confidence in yourself to to do this in front of people basically because earlier you kind of spoke about having um you know like some confidence issues or whatever do you think it was every, i don't i think some people don't mind being the center of attention if they can like control the circumstances was it was it a case of that maybe
1: a little bit um so um i started playing guitar well my first instrument was bass the bass okay. guitar when yeah. i was 12 um and then i uh moved on to guitar after that um and uh so I I started playing guitar, guitar around, I think I was around 13 years old. Um, And then uh, I took lessons and stuff for a while. And then I started singing. um, um, I think I was 15 when I started singing. I was, so it was weird because I wasn't raised under the impression that I could ever be someone who sang. I, I sort of thought that like singing was a thing that you could just, do um I don't know why I thought this but I I was under the impression that some people could sing and some people couldn't and I just assumed I was somebody who couldn't um and some douchebag is listening to this being like haha you were right um anyway (laughs) um I'm sorry people a lot of people really hate my singing voice um but fuck them anyway so uh yeah fuck them yeah (laughs) so I um I got like uh I was like trying to be in bands when I was like younger, but I found it really hard to like do that when nobody wanted to sing. And like, so I was, when I was younger, I kept trying to make bands and like nobody could sing. So we would try to find a singer and then trying to find a singer is like really hard. Like someone who just sings and is like, good at it. It's like really hard. Uh, and then like someone who just sings is good at it. And also is down to write with you. Like, I don't know. It's a pretty hard to find someone like that. So I decided to just Um, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to teach myself to sing. Um, I think I'm going to try that out. Maybe I can do it. And then I did a bunch of reading and I, I saw a bunch of really encouraging stuff. Like, you know, like, Oh, like everyone, like almost everyone can like teach themselves to sing. Like, you just got to put a lot of work into it. And I was like, okay. So I taught myself a little bit and then I took vocal lessons for a couple of years. Um, and, uh, I think I'm okay. (laughs) I I work really hard on trying to be good. Um, so that's when I started singing about like 15 and it was basically out of necessity. I didn't, uh, I didn't imagine I would ever sing lead in a band until like, um, later on. And the first several bands I was in, I didn't sing lead. You know, I sang like, uh, I sang like we, there'd be like, two or three vocalists who all sang and i would just contribute sometimes um and it wasn't until i did that a lot that i felt confident enough to try like being the lead singer of a band or whatever and that's like when a week but still in bed happened um so yeah a week but Still in bed i was the first when i was like the the real front of the band yeah
0: yeah like on this ep on the most recent one um I noticed the vocals like weren't as heavy. I would say there wasn't as much like shouting, like screaming esque kind of performances yeah. happening. Uh, have you been experimenting recently with your voice? Mm-hmm. Um, now you kind of looking to take the vocal approach and like delivery of the lyrics in a different direction.
1: I've definitely been experimenting with how to make my voice sound better when it's cleaner and like um, like prettier when I want it to sound prettier. Um, I wanted to feel more in control um yeah but at the same time no the main reason that those songs uh i and i imagine you're talking about leave and mirror because beauty has really aggressive vocals in it but
0: yeah that does but i was like that's like two-thirds of the record sounding uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah
1: sounding more sounding more i think despondent yeah is the word um that wasn't on purpose uh that's just like what felt right for the songs um so when i was writing those songs and um like the the emotions behind the lyrics and everything, they just didn't call for screaming. Like I didn't I didn't feel inspired to scream or shout or raise my voice during those songs. The emotions I felt were way more solemn, so I just hmm. did a much quieter vocal. But it, it, it you know it's just what felt right. I, I didn't like I didn't think like oh this is the album where I'm gonna not scream as much. Like, oh okay. There's yeah. there's a there's a ton of screaming in LP 2 There's like there's probably more screaming on lp2 than there's on lp1 so oh
0: very sick okay cool
1: yeah yeah i'm definitely but there's also more like clean singing too there's just a whole lot of vocals in lp2 i can't help it it's like it feels right so i'm just doing it
0: yeah if it's what the music calls for yeah. you gotta give it you gotta give it that attention oh
1: yeah that's like a confidence thing right like that's um that's a thing that i would have been too scared to do i think a couple of um a couple of yeah. uh years ago where I would have been like, Oh, I can't do this. This song's too long. People aren't going to listen to it. I can't do this. The album's going to be too long. And now it's just like, I'm just going to do whatever feels right.
0: Yeah. I guess, I guess you just got to create as if no one's going to listen. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. That's yes. Actually I, um, I, 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 that's something that I learned from reading interviews with Doug March from, um, built the spill. I know. Okay. That he, yeah. He, uh, he talked about that, um, that when he was first writing music, uh, and then like when Built the Spell started to blow up and that he knew people would hear his band, it like affected the way he wrote songs and he struggled with it. And like, I, I, I feel somewhere similar. So I like, I, um, I kind of looked, I kind of look at that as a like, guidance, like, like, yeah, I try to, I try to write as if no one is ever going to hear about it, which is, I think part of like why I have this weird mentality that like, I think about my band as like a band that nobody really cares about. Like, that's how I think about my band. But I know that's not true because people tell me it's not true. Um, no, it isn't.
0: Yeah, like, it's yeah. definitely not true. <laughs> like, yeah, 100%, yeah. yeah.
1: But I think of it that way. Like, when I think about my band, I don't think of this as, like, some big deal or whatever. Um,
0: it's good, though. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good to kind of create and approach it with, like, like an innocent vision and, like, almost like a naivety in a way that isn't actually naive but just having that, like, tinted vision of it because the product sort of- is probably more raw. Like that. yeah sort
1: of manufactured naivety maybe um yeah. yeah i think that's probably yeah yeah i i think i agree um i i mean it also helps i think because i think people who like i think it wouldn't be good if i thought i was like some rock star like i think that'd be crazy like that' would be really bad probably for like yeah because like that's what i think about like when i think about muse and they did like that resistance album i think they just like thought they were fucking rock stars i think they thought they yeah. were really, like Literally changing the world with their music or some shit, and it's just like, dude, this is embarrassing to listen to.
0: <laughs> yeah, that it's probably strange from like from you seeing it from America because like when that record came out, like Muse were like so fucking famous in England. They were they were unlike uh, like the main news channel being interviewed, playing like to like a hundred thousand people at a headline show. And I think yeah, it probably obviously completely went to their head. And from seeing it from a country where they're not as big, you're probably like, "What is happening to this band? Who are pulling like two thousand <laughs> people here or something?" You know. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, definitely. But, um, I, I there's a band from uh, the UK that I'm sure that you're aware of. Um, obviously, because they're they're massive. It's called the 1975
0: yeah yeah Um, of course of course yeah huge yeah
1: definitely think I respect the way they go about it a little bit more than I respect the way that Muse did because I I, I mean I'm sure that Matt Bellamy is a little bit of a he's probably got a little bit of an ego but at least like on interviews I've heard him say things like I've heard him say things like oh yeah you know people want us to be this big rock band but I want us to be like this small emo band I'm like okay go off king like this is (laughs) this is this is tight I like this a lot actually (laughs) yeah yeah
0: (laughs) Back, I don't back,
1: know. How, I don't back. know how genuine
0: or sincere that is, but it's cute to think about. It's a cool. It's a cool, like raw statement. No matter how deep it goes, it's nice to hear those words said <laughs> in front of like a big yeah. camera and boom mic. Not bad. Not yeah, bad. Yeah. It, you were saying that. Um. Yeah, on the EP, like especially two of the songs are like quite mellow, quite relaxed. Does Does it kind of capture you in the past twelve months or like how twenty twenty was going and reflect you in like the present day? Would you say?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think I think so. Um, so, like, I definitely like I definitely will say that none of the songs on the album were about like twenty twenty. Like, they weren't about the quarantine. But I no, feel like they no. definitely. Yeah. I feel like the mood was probably at least somewhat a product of the year that they came from. Like, I don't think I would have released. For, I don't. I definitely wouldn't have released a three song EP if it hadn't been for the the quarantine in the first place.
0: Yeah, I will get that vibe. I get that vibe. Yeah, for sure.
1: Like part of the reason that um, that this release exists in the first place is because of the conditions of the year just allowing for it to happen, yeah, and then um and then um also, um yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like there was a little bit of a like a like a lack of energy um probably mm-hmm. that affected the um the way that I felt or you know, just the emotions going into the songs a little bit. Um, and that's not to say that like, you know, that's going to be true on LP2, but most of the songs I wrote on LP2 happened, or like I wrote them way before, um, the pandemic even hit. So yeah, I mean, it's actually really interesting because, um, um, say who you are is like all I wrote all the songs after LP2. So LP2 is going to come out way after "Stay who you are. Yeah but yeah but the songs are newer
0: (laughs) yeah that's yeah that's weird actually it's like a flip around in like chronological order in a way
1: yeah so um i haven't gotten any negative like feedback from the ep yet from any like i haven't seen anybody criticize it um which is like in stark contrast to the lp1 where like some people really loved it but a lot of people really hated it um no one has said anything really about ep the ep that's like negative or like hypercritical um the, the
0: ep is really good it's very impressive i was actually talking to a few guys who i used to chill with uh, and i was like have you seen like awake i've put like three tracks out and they were like yeah i kind of stopped listening to them or um and then they're like yeah i thought the songs were sick and now like everyone's like jump back on it kind of vibe
1: dude um i mean i can kind of tell that's happening because our spotify numbers shot up and like I'm i was like shocked by it because i to be honest, I didn't think that like anybody was really gonna like care that much about the EP. I, I mostly like made it for people who are already fans, um, who like were just like wanting new stuff. And yeah, just
0: like, to kind of keep the palette active, kind of vibe. Like. Yeah,
1: yeah, just like yeah, because people are like, "What are you doing? Like, where's new music?" And I'm like, "Oh God, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's taking so long." Uh, so I was just like, "Okay, so, you know, here, here's some stuff." Yeah. And, I am pretty proud of it, though. Like, I think that it came out really good. Like, I'm like, like, based on like the situation I was in, I I don't think I could be much happier with how it came out. Off the which rail. is yeah, which is very different from how I, how I felt about LP one. Um, oh really?
0: Oh, that's an interesting comment. You know, uh, explain, explain. Go on, Shannon. This is uh, yeah, i uh, yeah, I like that. Keep it going. Sure.
1: LP1, I felt really, really relieved to be done with when I was done with it um, because oh, it, was okay. an, yeah. it was an extremely emotional album for me to make. I went and like, I don't want to get into it, but I went, it, was, it came from an extremely dark place um, and writing it was a, a very difficult thing for me to do. And it had a very profoundly positive impact on me, like the writing process, but it was really challenging And when I was done with it, I was just happy to be done with it. Like, um, but it did not come out how I wanted it to. So I mentioned earlier how I was on like a tight budget. I mean, I paid for it myself and we recorded it in like a fairly expensive studio and I'm, I work as a line cook. So you can see that like, and I live in like an expensive area, like in the the country. So, um, basically Mm -hmm. what I'm saying is, uh, I had a very limited resources and I was, I was not able to make it sound how I wanted it to sound, but Mm, yeah okay i i put it you know i i did the best i could with what i had
0: yeah is it um, is it is it weird though that like you're the only one that knows that or thinks that kind of thing do you know what <laughs> i mean
1: um i don't know i don't think about, i i i i guess i I've, i think there are some people who like regard the album as unpolished and um
0: yeah but yeah, like, look, look at some of the other records that were coming out with like the same like sound desire like it sounds some of that some of the other bands that were putting stuff out from like a similar genre, like that was like really like you know, one mic in a bedroom.
1: Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um yeah, I mean the main thing that I have a problem with is my vocals on the album, but um I still like I still like I still like it, I think, uh overall. I just um Yeah. I feel way more like um proud of like Stay Who You Are I think. At least currently just because i feel like there's no there's nothing on the album that makes me like cringe when i listen to it um, okay
0: yeah it's like a full um uh, you know it's a happy reflection a full 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 like good turnout when you when you listen back
1: yeah i was like i put a lot of work into the vocals and um yeah and um i i mean i put a lot of work into the vocals of both one too but i i i mean i recorded the vocals of say who you are at my house so i could just make them sound exactly how i wanted them to
0: yeah, okay. Do, do you say, um you know you're not keen on the vocals at LP one or or whatever, but like do you think do you think you'll like reimagine songs live now when you perform tracks off the first record?
1: I think I sing them better than I did back then. Yeah. Like that's like yeah. that's actually a thing that I've thought about a lot. Like, um, where I'm like there there was there have been times where like um we toured with a band called Mom Jeans. Um Yeah, I know. Them. Um, yeah, 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 they're yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um we were playing like they're much bigger than us. So we were playing um, like these big uh, venues and the big venues have much nicer sound ses- setups and my vocals had just gotten a lot better by the time that we did that, that tour. So I, I was like at that time, like I felt kind of weird cause like we'd play and I'd feel like my vocals were like pretty strong. Um, yeah. Like com- compared to the album, even like they sounded way more like how I wanted them to sound. Um, than they did on the album. And then I was like imagining like, man, if someone like saw that performance and they liked it and then they like wanted, like they're like, oh, I want to get that record. Like it's good like, okay, cool. Like here's the album that sounds worse yeah. than what you just saw. Like, <laughs> I feel kind of bad saying that, but at the same time, I don't think it's going to change anyone's mind. If someone who likes the LP, I don't think they're going to change their mind based on what I think. Cause I have my own, like, I, I'm i the singer. So like I hold myself to this, like, to this certain standard that I don't think other people hold me to
0: well yeah of course um, so you're I, gonna be you're gonna be like the harshest critic what like, you've ever had do you know what I mean I've,
1: yeah absolutely absolutely yeah so like I mean the only other people who are like like <laughs> the other people who are critical are like my parents but my parents are weird because um <laughs> yeah okay my, my dad like hates my screaming he hates that I scream and so he like he likes the EP a lot because I only scream on one song
0: um, yeah it's like it's like accessible music like elements of it do you know what I mean that yeah, like, and like he, yeah, you you can you can show your mom <laughs> kind of thing.
1: I know. Yeah, it's really funny. um <laughs> I <laughs> I I it was it was it almost was like eye rolling to me when my dad reached out about the EP because he heard it and he was like, "Wow, this is like the best thing you guys have ever done." And I'm like, "Dad, you only think that because you can't listen to music that has screaming in it." Yeah,
0: it's like <laughs> you don't understand anything, <laughs> basically. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and it, it's it's and it's even doubly so because i think that he thinks that this album the cp is like would potentially make make us like way more successful but it's like actually like actually like the lp still is the most popular thing that we've done like lp1 and like even though the ep has gotten some press that i was surprised by like the npr feature that we got yeah um which was really really cool and that happened It still it doesn't it pales in comparison to like the impact that the lp1 got when we did it so like Uh, not that I'm trying to compare them. I mean, like it's an EP. I didn't expect it to do like as well as an LP does, but, um, and, and it did actually, it it did way better than I thought it would. Like to be honest, like way more people talked about it than I thought they would. So, um, which I was very, I was very happy with the uh, response to it and, um, Mm. I, I couldn't ask for more. Um, and I mean, like I'm talking to you about it. So, you know, (laughs) thank you for asking me about it. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm happy with the way the the EP came out, but, um, but, but, you know, still like the LP or whatever, when it came out was, had more of a, um, had you know, it was a little bit more um, talked about or whatever, just because it's a full LP and it was our first release. And it was also just like an album that I think some people liked. And like um, where, where where I'm going with this is my, I get pretty frustrated talking to people in my family who like kind of blindly are just like, oh yeah, like. Well, this new thing is going to be way bigger because there's not screaming on it, and I'm like, you guys literally don't understand how this works.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I know, I know, I know the vibe. Yeah, trust me. Yeah, (laughs) I know the vibe. Yeah,
1: it's okay. I've given up on trying to like explain it. I just, I just let them say whatever they want to say, and like, yeah, 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 for sure, guys. Yeah,
0: (laughs) just got a nod your head, nod your head, and get on with it. Yeah, just let, yeah, (laughs) let, let the topic change basically naturally, like lyrically. Is a lyric something that you've always felt like attachment to uh, as a listener?
1: Yeah. uh, Lyrics are huge for me. Um, They've always been a huge selling point. Like um, to me, lyrics can change like how hard a song hits me, like in a really, and I'm sure a lot of people feel this way, like um, good lyrics and like profound lyrics add so much to a song to me. Um, If, if I hear a song and I am struck by it, like half the time it's because of the lyrics anyway. But then like if I'm struck by it and then I dig into the lyrics and then I'm even more struck by them, it's like it makes the song have like a really lasting impression on me. So yeah, lyric I'm the kind of person that likes to sing along at shows too. Like if I if anybody listening to this has seen me at a show, you've probably seen seen me singing along to the artists that I know. Uh even if I like <laughs> I just I lyrics are really important to me. I I I listen to the lyrics. I I, I yeah lyrics are big for me. So yes. Um, as far as like what my goal was, um, my goal is always the same. I, uh, m- my goal with lyrics is always to, um, just like, um, it, they, they sort of, they're like diary basically for me. I mean, yeah. I, I just, I just capture like what I'm going through in a song and like I, I have ideas for like what things I want to explore in a song and then I, I try to just do that effectively and express it. And it's very yeah, it's very much a form of self-expression. It's very much, all my lyrics are about me and my experiences. So like, um, and like my feelings and all that stuff. I, I never write like descriptive lyrics really. I don't, I, which like, sometimes I feel kind of guilty about, cause there's people who write really, really amazing songs about other people or like about other things or like they mm-hmm. write about things that are bigger than them. Um, that's just sort of outside of my wheelhouse. I, I, I almost, basically everything I ever write is about me, <laughs> which feels a little bit like self-centered, but I don't know what else to write
0: about. <laughs> and, yeah, and I
1: haven't,
0: yeah. yeah, it keeps the art like honest though, which I think is important. Was, was there like a record that you listened to where the lyrics were about, you know, the person singing them and it really made an impression where you were like, this is now the, the gold standard of what I expect from an album kind of, kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's one, but I can name a couple off the top of my head. Um, I would say that uh the two the the two um Brave Little Abacus um LPs were like really, really big for me. Um I don't know if you know who the Brave Little Abacus is, but they're like an amazing band from New Hampshire who yeah. aren't around anymore. But yeah, that that band is amazing. And that the, the their um Adam's lyrics were like really big for me. Um as far as just like the way that he expressed himself and them. Like, I thought it was just like so genuine and so cool and creative. I really, really liked them. Uh, the hotelier was like a, a big one too. I'm trying to think, uh, I, honestly, uh, Joyce Manor, um, which is weird because I'm like friends with Barry now, but, um, yeah, I, I hope that he doesn't hear this. He probably won't. Um, but yeah, I actually like Joyce Manor's lyrics were like one of the first bands doing the whole emo revival thing that, um, I, like was struck by he's amazing as a lyricist he's really creative and um he has a bunch of like really striking lyrics um in his throughout the discography there's a lot of songs that have like really like good lines you know um and like everyone knows like everyone who listens to Joyce Manor like knows what I'm talking about I think you know they like lines just have like such like distinct lyrics or, or songs very like songs have the songs have such distinct lyrics like every song has like the line everyone knows you know like uh i think there's like constant headache that has the like entirely fucked line everyone like screams when they play this the it's but it's like really good i mean and like so does like um i don't know they have that line it's like how can you be happy when you wear all black like i don't know it's just Almost every song has like a line that like stands out like super fucking hard. He's really really good. Um, yeah, uh, that was an influence for sure. I don't know. Lyrics are like a, like a thing that I, I I really really love in a band. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I would. Yeah, same same for me. I think. Um, yeah, and is it, is it always been kind of a goal like you want people to feel? Uh, listen to your music, how you felt listening to those bands just listed, for example?
1: I guess so, yeah. Um, like when I listened to, like like I remember the first time I ever heard Home Like No Places There by The Hotelier. I remember just yeah. like I, it was a album that had been like recommended to me by somebody else who like knows my taste really well. So I was like, okay, I'll listen to it. I put it off for like a long time because I'm really bad at listening to new music sometimes and I especially was back then. I'm better at it now, but I finally put it on. And I was listening to it on band camp and I was following along with the lyrics. And, um, I remember like, um, when I listened to the album, I like, it was like a week after one of my friends had like committed suicide. So it was like a really dark time for me. I was like really, really sad about that. And I listened to this album and as you probably are aware, that album covers a lot of like those types of subjects. So yeah, it's it's rem- a very
0: yeah, it's a very heavy album uh ly- yeah. lyrically, yeah, 100%. Yeah.
1: So I I remember like getting a lot of shivers uh and like like you know down my spine kind of thing like listening along to the album and yeah. feeling like that sort of like deep emotional thing like in the pit of your stomach when you like hear certain lines and then I remember like by the like last song there was like a line um I think the line is um I felt the uh I felt the noose tighten up on your collarbone. I felt the gun in the small of your back.
0: Yeah, that's it, started, that's it. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And I just started like sobbing, like when I heard that line. It was like oh, I don't know, yeah, it was so wow. impactful. But it, it was great. It was a great. It was a great experience, and I I formed this like really, really like strong connection to the band after that. And. yeah actually like I saw the hotelier about a year after that um in 2016 um and I remember they played that song and I like just like uncontrollably cried singing along to it to the point where like people are people around me at the show were like are you okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) I've I've never seen them play actually I've never seen them play they only play where I live like once and uh Jimmy at World were playing the same night at the other venue, and I went to watch Jimmy Eat World instead. That was in 2016. But, yeah, uh, that
1: sucks because they, to- they ended up touring with Jimmy Eat World later on, so that's unfortunate that it was like they were like opposites. Uh, they, they had to choose between them, and there were competition at that point.
0: I know. I was, uh, yeah. In the,
1: yeah, in the States, they ended up touring together later on, so you could have seen both.
0: Yeah. If only, if only, if
1: only, I I didn't catch them on that tour either though with the Jimmy World. I really wanted to, but I wasn't able to make it. Um, but I've only seen the Manor. I've only seen the hotelier twice. Um, I saw them in San Francisco both times. And one time it was like them headlining. And the other time it was with, um, they were opening for Joyce Manor um, and crying, and both of those, both of those shows really fun. Um, but the show with Joyce Manor. I was really bummed because I was the only one. I was the only one like, going hard for Hotelier at that show, and I was. Oh, like, really? They were
0: like treated like the bummed. support act kind of vibe. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate. I know what that's like now, though, because now I've opened for Joyce Manor as well, <laughs> so I, I yeah, have that's a little crazy. Bit more yeah. empathy for it. I, yeah. Yeah, it actually is really crazy. It's yeah, like, it really, like actually, I didn't. I, I just said those words, but I had never thought about that before. That I like was at one point a big hotelier fan, watching them open for Joyce Manor, and I've now opened for Joyce Manor too. It's a really weird thing to think about, actually. Yeah, that is
0: that. Wow, yeah, that was, was crazy. Yeah, that that's, that statement lot like, really struck me. Then, uh, to be honest, when you said that, it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, did did you ever think like um, you making and playing music would amount to making statements like that? Do you know what I mean?
1: No, absolutely not. No, I had no, I had no expectations of ever becoming, doing any of the things that I did on this for some, like, um, I thought maybe, maybe after like years of grinding and like, like, so what I would have thought would have happened is like, um, I knew that we were going to tour a lot because I just like to tour, but you don't have to be popular to tour. All you've got to do is put a lot of work into contacting DIY.
0: Yeah. I think, I think especially in America, that country offers that as like a huge advantage. Cause in England you can play like, you know, most people come in and play like six shows. Whereas in America you could go for like, like two months, three months. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And
1: that's, that's what we did on the first time we toured for two and a half months. Yeah. Um, but, uh, well, we did one, two and a half month long tour. We actually toured for like two years. We were crazy. Um, but, uh, but I love touring, so we'll probably do it again. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll tour outside the U S more, um, though, because I really want to do that. Okay. So, uh, what I was saying was, um, what my, what I originally thought we were going to do was, so, um, I, 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 I. I made week With Soul In Bed um, a solo thing partially in response to the fact that my two previous fans I had been in um, in California both like worked really, really hard on like albums and like and playing local shows a lot um, and then like started to get a fan base locally, um, yeah. like not like not huge, you know, but just like enough that like, you know, we could we could play shows and people would come and, and buy our records and stuff. Um and that would take years of, like, work to make that happen. Yeah. And then, um, like, I, that happened to me twice. And then, I, like, the first band it happened. And then I tried to get us to start touring and stuff. And we toured, like, twice. And then we broke up because it was too much for the people in the band. And then the same thing happened again with another band I was in immediately after that where we, like, put a lot of work into an EP and then an LP. And then we toured twice. And then after that we had disagreed on art on whether or not we should keep touring. I wanted to keep touring even harder. They wanted to basically never tour. And so I was like, I don't want to do that. So we yeah. had this fight and we broke up. Um, and then, um, then with the week would still in bed, I was like, okay, well, I'm so sick of this cycle. Like I spent like the last, um, several years of my life in bands that ultimately now I've got nothing to show for it. You know, I put all this work into them. That's why like at first, for the week of still in bed, I I envisioned it as like my solo project. And then we we had like a rotating cast of like, just support people playing with me and it still kind of is like that, but we have like, we have a lineup now. Um, at this point, I mean, I, I know I said that our drummer left, but, um, um, we've got this, we've had the same main members now for like almost two years. So, um, I would I would be really sad to part ways with any of the members now. I, it could still happen, but um at the yeah. moment I plan I plan on it not happening. But yeah, it, it back in the day though and like when we first did our album and we were first touring, like to me like um it was really important to me that like anyone could play in the band if they were like good enough and it was like not like you know, it was not we didn't have like a set lineup and it, we and I was trying to make sure that that wasn't like Ever going to be a thing because I was really scared. I was really scared of the band having to break up because you know, um, because someone couldn't do a tour or something like that, or you know, because no, someone didn't want a tour, and I just had all this like baggage. So, anyway, that's like kind of part of the reason that our week was still in bed became the band that it was, where it was all driven by me.
0: Yeah, um, to just to avoid those. It's almost like a PTSD thing. I don't know. It's like to avoid those problems where does, like, exactly. the, whole st- yeah. the whole stability factor does just crumble from like a few messages. Yeah.
1: I didn't, you know, I did that because I wanted the band to keep being a band. I didn't think that I was going to make the band successful or anything. In fact, I thought I was sacrificing quality because collaborating with people I thought was the only way for me to make like the best music i could possibly make uh, yeah. because i didn't believe in myself <laughs> um just being real like i just didn't think i was good enough to like write all the music but i was like i'm just gonna do it anyway uh, yeah. because it's the only way i can do this so um i i wrote most of the music i mean i, I wrote all the songs as far as like lyrics and, and vocal melodies and chord progressions and then um i would collaborate with the guitar player and the drummer on like on like the parts I would basically be like, I want it to sound like this or I want to do this. And sometimes I'd have a specific part in mind. And sometimes I'd be like, I wanted to be kind of like this. And then we'd like work together on a part that I basically wrote everything uh, or like at least directed everything. And then um, the reason I did that uh, was because what I thought was going to happen was we'd put out the album and then I was just going to tour all of the time on it. Like I was going to tour a bunch because I wanted to get the name out there. And that's yeah. like what I thought would happen. Cause I didn't know any other way to do it. The fact that we got like press, like with the fact that we got a pitchfork review, for example, like yeah. I did not expect a pitchfork review. I did not. There's, <laughs> <Yeah>. no- <laughs> I was shocked when that happened. To be honest, um, yeah, I did not expect to get offered to open for Joyce Manor. I did not think that was going to happen. I yeah, that's like art, yeah. To me. <laughs>
0: Yeah. That is off its head actually. Now when, from like how you go f- from you speaking about like, like the roots of this to what actually started happening is a, uh, yeah, it's so sick. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, mean, I thought it was sick too. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was really, really, really like couldn't believe it. I I don't even think stoked is like the right word because I was more like bewildered, I think was the right word. And I was like trying to adapt to it because like regardless of how I felt the things were happening and I had to like rise to the occasion. So it was like really,
0: it was yeah, actually yeah. kind
1: of challenging. Yeah.
0: I suppose it is. Cause if you go from like not believing in yourself and then they're like, yo, these people want to talk to you. Like this is about you. Do you know what I mean? It's quite a, uh, yeah. quite a kind of event. Definitely. Yeah. It
1: was like, yeah, like 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 t- getting an email from Tiny Engines being like, we want to talk about like signing you, and it's like that's the label that the t- the hotelier is on. Like, holy shit! Yeah, you know, like, that's the label that that's the label that put out Tiger's Jaw's first fucking album or whatever. You know, that's like uh, Joyce Manor wants to tour with you, like like or like they want to take you on tour, like um, all these all these crazy things. Like, Mom Jeans wanted to take us on tour. Like, it was yeah, it was just all this crazy stuff. Like. Um, when that happened, oh. I, I just like, couldn't really believe it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. What
0: a fucking whirlwind. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm still like, I'm still, I'm still shocked when certain things happen. Like, um, like I, I, I think I still have pretty low expectations. Like, even though like those things have happened, you know, in the past, like I, I'm still, I'm still like giddy like I when I got the email from Bob from Bob Boylan from NPR to feature the song beauty I was still like super giddy about it I was like oh my god Bob Boylan emailed me holy shit (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah (laughs) so I mean like um um,
0: I guess I guess well having that mindset seems to be working like out really well so far I
1: I mean I uh, it's it's not even like something I feel like I can control. I don't like, I I think I should be more confident than I am, but I think on some level, not having like not, not believing in myself too much is like probably good because it keeping myself second guessing as much as it's like kind of painful to like go through the, the the, go through the, the constant like sort of anxiety of like, is this good? Am I going to make something terrible? Like, Oh my God. Yeah. Um, Having that feeling is painful and hard, but I think like, Hopefully in the long run like it'll mean that like I don't make the resistance by muse part 2 or whatever like I, <laughs> that's I, I
0: the goal that, yeah that's, that's the goal to not make that that record yeah <laughs> <laughs> I like how that's become yeah that's become the ultimate like do not become this is this yeah, CD you, yeah
1: it's like um <laughs> have you ever seen the movie memento
0: yeah I have yeah good film yeah. I haven't seen it for a few years but yeah good film yeah.
1: so imagine like I I wrote on my hand do not become muse and that's like every day I wake up and <laughs> yeah. that's, my, that's my guiding <laughs> that's my guiding message yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is fucking hilarious you know <laughs> oh yeah if I ever watch that again I'm, I'm just gonna say that now to be honest that that's what it's gonna say <laughs> oh yeah Um, yeah so sick Uh, I think we'll wrap it up there if that's cool
1: sounds good yeah cool (laughs)
0: thank thank you so much for uh, talking to me Shannon I do really appreciate you taking the time out of your day off to uh, join the call and everything
1: of course yeah thanks so much for having me that was really
0: fun yeah I had a good time as well I really enjoyed the emo chapter we had I actually was like really trying to remain calm like when you were saying all that stuff uh, because that that could have been like a big, uh, you know, pub conversation for me in in England. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, well, yeah, thanks very much for your time, and uh, stay healthy, stay positive, yeah, and keep looking after yourself and everything. Have a nice day and everything. Take care.
1: You too. All right, talk to you later.
0: See you soon. Bye-bye.